Uh, uh, while we're speaking, maybe it's in my, it's in my purse actually because I brought it to the White House. But Nadim, you don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> Somebody else can get my purse. He's a good <laughs> what was the question? So the mechanics of how oh. this is I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report. It's January 5th, 2022. We are live streaming on Rumble and on YouTube. Share, subscribe, tap that notification bell if you have not. And as most of you who are playing along at home know, uh, we now, every day that we do a live show right here, we do a live post-game show, which ultimately will be for subscribers only, but for this first week or two, we're letting everybody in. Uh, and you can join us at rubenreport.locals.com if you want to check that out and get some questions to me and comments. And uh, that's where we relax. I sit a little more like this and I talk and all that good stuff. And we roll right into that on Locals right after the live stream right here. Uh, there was no show yesterday because I was uh, en route back to Miami from Tallahassee because I was up there for two days during uh, Governor Ron DeSantis's inauguration and the, the ball, the gala in the evening, it was a black tie affair, very dapper. Uh, and of course, uh, the inauguration itself was uh, in the morning and you know, it was, it was thousands of people, probably three, 4,000 people jam-packed at the Capitol in Tallahassee and a real celebration of so many of the things that I talk about here. And as I was listening to the governor's speech, which we'll play a portion of in just a moment, it really was a validation of not just the ideas that I talk about here, but you know, literally my life and, and the life of the people in this room and many of you watching who are new Floridians, because as I always say, this is the blueprint and the guy is picking the right fights. He is finding the right enemies. He is doing the right things. And when you do that, you get rewarded with landslide election results. And, uh, and perhaps uh, bigger things in the offing. So today's show is really gonna be about that contrast between what is working here, many of the things that you guys know about, working here in Florida, how that can be exported, but really to contrast that with what's going on in DC right now, because as you know, Kevin McCarthy, who really was the presumptive, gonna be the presumptive leader uh, of the House, he has lost, he lost five, right? Five votes so far, six? He lost six votes so far for those of you counting at home. And there's a bit of a, uh, a sort of Republican insurrection, if I could use that word, uh, where about 20 Republicans, in essence, are just not supporting him uh, and they don't seem to want to cut any deals. And it's just chaos. I think there's arguments that sometimes the chaos and the fighting is good because that's how you get the stuff out and maybe you're all stronger after a battle, right? You, you play sports against somebody uh, that's better than you. You can, you can level up along the way, right? So that's kind of good in some ways. But the general state of dysfunction in Washington that nothing ever gets fixed. Meanwhile, we have certain places, this uh, Sunshine State is the leader on it, uh, where things are good and things are being done right. So that's what we're going to be doing today. Uh, real quick, let me talk to you guys about Bullion Max and then we'll get to it. You know, as inflation surpasses highs not seen in 40 years, the value of the dollar is decreasing with every passing day. You're paying more at the pump, the grocery store for cars and for housing. Face it, guys, your paper money is worth less. 
Friends, the timing couldn't be any better for my new sponsor, Bullion Max. Bullion Max is a direct-to-consumer precious metals retailer who can help you diversify into gold and silver. It's a hedge against inflation. It's also security for your family in times of crisis. And here's why I love Bullion Max. They're owned by veterans in the precious metal space and offer some of the lowest prices on the internet. And they make it so easy to buy directly from their website. I wanted to help get you started, so I worked out a special offer just for you. Get Bullion Max's Silver Starter Kit and Employee Pricing. Just go to bullionmax.com Dave. The kit includes five of the most desirable silver products to invest in, including a silver American Eagle and a silver Australian Kangaroo. This offer is limited to just one per household, so get yours now. Go to bullionmax.com Dave. That's bullionmax.com Dave. And now back to me. All right, so I was up in Tallahassee for the inauguration of Governor DeSantis, and it really... It felt good. <laughs> like there were happy people, functional people. There was a celebration of we're doing it right. We live in the right state. And by the way, it wasn't just, you know, when there's an inauguration, you know, the lieutenant governor is also being sworn in, the secretary of state, the attorney general. There's a whole slew of good people doing good work in this state. And it really starts with one F word, not that F word, the other F word freedom. And that's exactly what Governor DeSantis was talking about in his speech after being sworn in. Mr. Chief Justice, members of the cabinet and fellow citizens from the Space Coast to the Sun Coast, from St. John's to St. Lucie, from the streets of Hialeah to the Speedway in Daytona, from the Okeechobee all the way up to Micanopy. Freedom lives here in our great sunshine state of Florida. Pause. You can see me upper left back over there. I think I was applauding instead of tweeting at that very moment. Um, that's the idea. Freedom lives here. The entire uh, context of the speech really was that you can live your life freely in this place without that crazy government overreach that we have all become so used to, that has been so normalized, especially over these last couple of years. But what else did DeSantis do? Because it's not enough just to talk about freedom, right? Freedom is just sort of this like amorphous idea. Uh, what you have to do is you have to fight the bad ideas as they are imported into your state, into your community, et cetera. And that is exactly what Governor DeSantis has done with this woke nonsense and, and the reverse of woke nonsense. What is it? How about normalcy? This bizarre but prevalent ideology that permeates these policy measures purports to act in the name of justice for the marginalized, but it frowns upon American institutions. It rejects merit and achievement and it advocates identity essentialism. We reject this woke ideology. We seek normalcy, not philosophical lunacy. We will not allow reality, facts, and truth to become optional. We will never surrender to the woke mob. Florida is where woke goes to die. Standing ovation on that one. I should also tell you guys that, uh, you know, they say that Governor DeSantis doesn't like the gays, that you're not allowed to say gay 
here in Florida, uh, about two blocks from the Capitol, guys. You know what street it was? Gay Street. I had a cup of coffee on Gay Street. Nobody attacked me. It was okay. Uh, here's DeSantis being sworn in just for a little bonus something. That I will well and faithfully perform the duties of governor. The duties of governor. On which I am now about to enter. On which I am now about to enter. So help me God. So help me God. So what happens when you do the right thing? When you do the right thing, whether you're a governor or whether you're a citizen or you're married to a governor or something else, when you do the right thing, it becomes contagious. And that is exactly what has happened with the state of Florida. Uh, we've got some info here from the Daily Wire on, on population movement from July of 21 to July of 22. Now I've quoted some of these numbers over the last uh, couple months here, but from in that one year period. Now remember, we're starting here at July of 21. So you have to remember the year and a half of COVID before that where California lost you know, something like 400,000 in just in that year. But from July of 21 to July of 22, California lost about 340,000 people. Florida gained about 320,000 people. You can see New York there lost about 300,000 people. Texas gained 230, and then, and then you see the rest. But that massive contrast that you're seeing there, putting aside all the other states and all the other stuff you're seeing there, that massive, massive loss that you are seeing from New York and California, the states that are the most talked about states, right? Those are the states where, where everything's supposed to emanate from culture and everything else. And they're, you know, they're on the coasts, right? Like that, those are supposed, everything else is between them. Those are the places people are fleeing the most. And the people that are fleeing those states, they are coming mostly to Florida, but also to Texas, Tennessee, and a couple others. They're coming, they're bringing the right ideas, they're bringing jobs, they're bringing communities, they're having, uh, they're spending their money in these new communities. There's all sorts of business businesses exploding. I mean, I really can tell you that as a, as a new Miami, and I mean, this place is just absolutely blowing up in the great sense of things, but let's contrast that with the not great sense of something blowing up, or should I say, imploding. And that does bring us, of course, to California. You may remember this ad. This is a couple months ago we played this, but you'll, you'll see what I'm doing here. Uh, this was an attack ad by Gavin Newsom, who clearly is angling to somehow either replace Biden or replace Kamala or something, right? He, he destroyed San Francisco as the mayor. He's destroyed California as the governor, and then he has to move up and destroy more like a cockroach, right? They just keep going. Well, back in July, he had this attack ad on DeSantis and Florida, and just watch this, even if you've seen it before, just watch this for just a perfect reversal of truth in literally everything that he says. I urge all of you living in Florida to join the fight or join us in California, where we still believe in freedom, freedom of speech, freedom to choose, freedom from hate, and the freedom to love. Don't let them take your freedom. Yeah, uh, DeSantis is taking away people's freedom to love. Have you guys loved today? Have you loved today? Connor loved a little bit today. Phoenix, a little love today. Daphne, did you share a little love? A little, little smidgen of love? It's all so stupid, but, but okay, I get it. He wants to go after DeSantis because he sees him as the ascendant one and doing everything right. The, the, the idea that Newsom 
would even say the word freedom is actually kind of nauseating. Uh, but, you know, I know it can be gratuitous going after Newsom because he's so obviously evil. So you're, si you're sitting there going, Dave, it's easy to do that. Go after evil Gavin Newsom. Could you do something? Could you go into the archives? Could you find something from when he was mayor that is proof that he has an absolutely horrible track record of destruction? <laughs> I can. Here's Mayor Gavin Newsom, San Francisco Mayor Gavin Newsom back in 2008, laying out his 10-year plan to end homelessness. We believe fundamentally that food solves hunger, that shelters solve sleep, and that housing solves homelessness. And if we're gonna solve the problem uh, of those that are out on the streets that we define as homeless, we better solve the housing problem if we're going to have an impact. And that's why we established this framework, what we call a 10-year plan to end chronic homelessness in San Francisco. So to be clear, that was 2008. It was a 10-year plan. Uh, as you know, it has gone horrifically awry, but it's, it's sort of a perfect version of what progressives do with everything. Food solves hunger. That sounds pretty good. Put that on a bumper sticker. Shelter solves sleep. Well, okay, that's kind of right at some level, I suppose. Housing solves homelessness. That all sort of sounds right, but what, what do you have to do with progressives? You just have to peel off that little thin veneer of kind of sounding good and seeming to be right. And then you realize these are just words that they put together. Housing doesn't solve homelessness. Homelessness usually is related to bad economic conditions and drug use and mental health and all of those things. Just putting somebody in a hotel room while now you've housed them, did you solve the problem? No, he exacerbated all of these problems. So he literally destroyed. San Francisco at one time was one of the most beautiful functional cities in America. I, I remember going to San Francisco for the first time about 10 years ago, and it was one of the first cities that I had ever gone to. I mean, this is, this is hard to believe that I, I, within an hour of being there, I was like, I could move here. I, I would be happy here. Like there was something actually great going on there. And of course the, the proximity to Silicon Valley and there was an economic engine that was going great. And there was a sense of true tolerance in all of these things. And it has completely bottomed out, but don't take my word for it. We have videotape. So obviously there's tons of videos of that. The point of all of this is that when you have bad policies, when you just say the right thing, when that's completely disconnected from reality, you will literally destroy your state and then there will be other places that are doing it right and then you will try to destroy them. Gavin Newsom is a bad, bad dude. But what else is he up to? Well, he wants California to become a sanctuary state for teens that want to transition. So if you're a boy, and you like Barbie, and you want to chop your nuts off, he wants to hook you up. Uh, we've got all info on that from the post-millennial. On Sunday, a bill that designates California as a sanctuary for teens and children who want medicalized gender transitions went into effect. Governor, California Governor Gavin Newsom signed the legislation, legislation which is titled simply Gender Affirming Healthcare into law on September 30th. California Senator Scott Weiner, 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 can you believe this? His name's Weiner. The guy's literally trying to chop kids' genitals off. Originated the bill in January of 2021 and it passed the California legislature over the summer. 
Wiener has also brought forward bills that relax laws for the sex offender registry, puts biological males in women's prison, and has worked to decriminalize those who infect others with HIV after not telling them of their positive status. Wiener also supports public heroin injection sites and decriminalizing prostitution. The law allows individual minors or minors with their family to be unencumbered from out-of-state authorities who have warrants, subpoenas, or other child custody jurisprudence. So as long as the minor is now in California looking for a prescription of cross-sex hormones or surgical gender reassignment. Do you get all this? First off, this wiener guy. I mean, the jokes write themselves. I don't even feel like they would want. Okay, that's that. Okay. Uh, but do you understand what they want to do? They want, they call it gender affirming care. It's to me, if, if you were affirming someone's gender, they would walk in and say, hello, I'm a 15 year old boy. And you would say, oh, well, you're a 15 year old boy. That would be affirming. If a 15 year old boy walks into an office and says, I'm a 47 year old woman. And you say, well, let me see what drugs I can give you to figure that stuff out. That doesn't seem very affirming to me. Also, if you use a scalpel to chop their nuts off, not affirming. But this is the Orwellian use of language that these guys do with everything. But that's what's going on in Cali, right? So while, while as DeSantis said, woke comes to die here in Florida, uh, in California, they will bring you, your brother, your sister, they will ignore other states' laws, and they will do everything they can to put a young child on drugs so that they can pretend that they're another gender. That's sort of where we're at with all of that. Uh, we found this video, which is kind of interesting. This is from uh, back in June. Uh, this is while they were trying to figure out if this bill would get passed. Here is a woman who transitioned as a teen uh, who is now a detransitioner. And there's an awful lot of these people. You're not going to see them on mainstream media because obviously it goes completely against the narrative. But just the idea that you're a 15-year-old girl who can take a certain amount of drugs maybe visually appear as a boy, you suddenly may find that as a 23-year-old man, uh, your problems still exist, and now you have a whole slew of other medical problems and financial problems and spiritual problems and, and much more. In any event, here is a woman who transitioned as a teen testifying against this bill because she has now detransitioned. My name is Chloe Cole, and I am a 17-year-old detransitioner from the Central Valley. I was medically transitioned from ages 13 to 16. My parents took me to a therapist who affirmed my male identity, and the therapist did not care about causality or encouraged me to learn to be comfortable with my body. He brushed off my parents' concerns about the efficacy of hormones, puberty blockers, and surgeries. My parents were given the threat of suicide as a reason to move me forward in my transition. My endocrinologist, after two to three appointments, put me on puberty blockers and injectable testosterone. At age 15, I asked to remove my breasts. My therapist continued to affirm my transition. I attended a top surgery class that was filled with around 12 girls that thought were, they were men. Most were my age or younger. None of us were going to be men. We were fleeing from the uncomfortable feeling of becoming women. I was unknowingly physically cutting off my true self from my body irreversibly and painfully. Obviously a lot more to that, but you really must understand this is, this is a girl that is a biological girl who then once she had some feelings around puberty, and as she said, becoming a woman, uh, they decided to, well, they were gonna take her breasts off and drug her and all of these other things. Now she wants out of all of that, having realized that, that it, it was either a phase or whatever it might be. And that is not to ignore the 0. .000, whatever it is, 1% of people that genuinely are in the wrong body. And then of course, 
Uh, you guys know at least my feelings on this. As an adult, you can do whatever you want. But California as a state wants to be able to take children away from their parents, wants to be able to mutilate children. That's what California wants to do. Uh, but this woke policy is not specific, unfortunately, to California, but it is now infecting virtually every level of our federal government and pretty much all of our national leaders. Joe Biden is exactly the same. You may remember before Joe Biden was president, when he was running, when he said, if you're a chick and you're going to jail or you're a dude and you're going to jail, it's not what's on your birth certificate that matters to decide whether you're going to a male or female prison. It's what you identify as. And then, you know, you're not going to believe this. Suddenly a big ass 300 pound giant dude is like, yeah, call me Mary. And then he's raping women in women's prisons. That's really what we're dealing with right now. It, it's just so bananas ridiculous. Anyway, here is Rachel Levine. What is Rachel Levine's official title? She is the deputy health secretary. So, so he, I'm gonna say he, because as far as I know, Rachel Levine lived his entire life as a man, was married, had kids, a couple years ago, decided to become Rachel Levine. I don't know what his genital situation is. I don't really care. Uh, but what Rachel Levine has become is one of the key mouthpieces for not only pushing this gender stuff uh, into schools and throughout all of our cultural, cultural institutions, uh, but also to ensure that those of us, and I would include myself in this, those of us who speak out against him and against these really terrible ideas, uh, that we will be silenced by big tech. Surprise, surprise. Technically, he is the U.S. Assistant Secretary for Health. Here's video of Rachel Levine. So health professionals have a critical role to play. We must continue and to expand their work to address health misinformation directly with their patients. Now, this includes, but it goes beyond COVID-19. So I'd like to just talk briefly about another area of substantial misinformation that is directly impacting health equity in our nation, and that is the health equity of sexual and gender minorities. There is substantial misinformation about gender affirming care for transgender and gender diverse individuals. We are in this nation facing an onslaught of anti-LGBTQI plus actions at the state levels across the United States, and they are dangerous to the public health. And we need to use our clinician's voice to collectively advocate for our tech companies to create a healthier, cleaner information environment. I think you see what we're doing here. The, you see why this is all so dangerous. So they confuse you with their language of gender affirming care while it is completely unaffirming. That's one thing. But then if you talk about it, what they want to make sure, just like they did with COVID, if you, if you have questions about the vaccine, if you don't want mandates, if you just don't feel that the, the machine, which has lied about so many things, is, is, should just be bowed to at all times, they want to make sure that they can censor you through big tech or whatever other means, and God only knows what other means that they have. Just a little bit more info on Rachel Levine. Rachel Levine, who is 65-year-old now, uh, 10 years ago, divorced, his name was Richard Levine. So Rachel Levine used to be Richard Levine, Dick Levine. So we got Wiener over there and Dick. I mean, really, this is like, the, the Matrix isn't even trying anymore. It's dropping so many hints, you know? So Dick Levine, uh, had two kids and at 55 years old, divorced his wife, Martha. I don't know, that also seems funny to me. <laughs> Only better if it would be Karen. So Dick divorces Martha with two kids at 55 and then puts on a dress and is now the assistant health secretary in charge of making sure that we're gonna chop kids' genitals off and silence them 
uh, silence the people who oppose it on Twitter. It is just completely ridiculous. But now let's continue the ridiculous because uh, there are real problems, right? Like the, the woke stuff and gender transitioning and all that. Like it's an important cultural thing because it's connected to censorship and free speech, right? The obsession, the, the, the idea that any of us have to talk about this trans stuff is, is sort of ridiculous because in a sane society, it's such a tiny amount of people and whatever you do again as an adult, it just shouldn't matter. We have real issues. Real issues would include the fact that our border is open and we all know it. And we had more border crossings this year than any other year in American history. Joe Biden refuses to go down to the border. And when a certain orange man a couple of years ago used to talk about a border and try to build a wall, they said he was racist. That's the same guy that when he said we should stop flights from China because of COVID, they said he was racist about that. But just in the last couple of days, the Biden administration has now extended I think until April of 2023, if you're coming from China, you have to have a negative COVID test. Sounds a little racist to me, but you know what are we, what are we gonna do? Anyway, uh, here is Black Lesbian Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre uh, telling uh, Steve Ducey, uh, no, Peter Ducey, sorry, Steve's the dad, Peter Ducey, uh, that uh, Biden is focused on the border and this is somehow Republicans' fault. Does anybody around here think that the Southern border is secure? What I can tell you is this is a president has been working since day one uh, to work on border security, uh, to make an immigration a priority. That's why he put forth a comprehensive immigration uh, reform plan legislation. And here's here's the thing. As the president is coming forward and trying to come up with solutions, the difference here is that you have Republicans, as you know, who are doing political stunts. Okay, so just like meaningless drivel, right? Like she just, nothing. From day one, the you know, the president's been working on the border and it's just like he refuses to go down there. We know they are letting all these people in. They put, you know, all of these border towns at massive jeopardy and nobody cares. But if you send 30 people up to Martha's Vineyard, all hell is gonna break loose. And the reason I'm showing you that clip is because now I wanna transition into, we've gone from, we started with, with functioning, highly functioning, competent, decent leadership here in the flourishing free state of Florida. I contrasted that with the disaster of California and showing you that the policies of the guys 15 years ago, 2008, Gavin Newsom talking about homelessness has now completely ravaged his state. And then we showed you that people are now leaving his state to come to the state of Florida, right? So this is all happening and it's connected with all the gender stuff. Where does this all come from? It comes from places like California. Uh, and then you take all of those things and then the issue really is that we have a federal government. We have a federal government that is completely uh, derelict in its duty right now, whether it's to uh, make sure the economy is chugging along properly and not spend too much or making sure the borders are protected or anything else. But now let's shift really to the to sort of inside nonsense of Washington because what is happening right now is, as you know, even though that massive red wave never happened, the Republicans did get the House. So they get to pick the leader and the presumptive leader was Kevin McCarthy. Let me just say on a personal note, I have interviewed Kevin McCarthy. I've met him a couple of times. We've done a couple of events together. I think he's a decent dude. I actually do understand some of the frustrations with him that he feels like a little bit of a swamp creature and people want him to be more hardcore Republican or whatever that is. Politics is just messy. You have to cut all sorts of deals, is what it is. So I'm, I'm actually at this very juncture, I'm not even taking a position on who I think should get it. But the point is that after six votes, they have tried to now put him in six times. It has failed and now there is a new crop of Republicans that seem to be getting some momentum. 
so I want to contrast what's going on here in Florida where it's functioning with to the, to the wider Republican field, which is not functioning right now. So before we get to that, though, uh, who's out on this thing? Well, it's Nancy Pelosi, so we thought we'd show you her last gavel drop ever. The 20th Amendment to the Constitution, the chair declares the second session of the 117th Congress adjourned. Sinai die. <laughs> All right, that's it for Nancy Pelosi. I am told that after that, she went directly to the crypt. And on Sunday nights at nine o'clock on HBO, they will let her out of the coffin and she will tell very, very scary stories. And if you get the reference, I dig ya. Uh, anywho, uh, here is video of CNN, which is really loving the fact that uh, Kevin McCarthy has now made history uh, by losing the speakership in the first round. It's the first time it's happened in about 100 years. Reality is that he just made history, not in a good way, as being the first in 100 years, the first man to uh, lose the speakership in the first round. And you see on the screen that Hakeem Jeffries has 212, as you noted. Okay, so you have to understand when you're seeing that and you see Hakeem Jeffries having more than him, it's because everyone gets to vote, not just because your party technically has more members in the House. Everyone still gets to vote. So Andy Biggs got these 10 votes. Uh, there were a couple outstanding votes at that point. But the point is, that was the first round of the voting. He's lost five subsequent rounds and it ain't looking good. Now, interestingly, uh, Donald Trump has been backing Kevin McCarthy. And, and a lot of the base doesn't like McCarthy because they feel like McCarthy turned on Trump or something like that. Uh, but Trump seems to still be backing McCarthy, whether they like it or not. Here's a, a, a comment from Trump on Truth Social. Uh, do I have to read it with the crazy caps and all that? Let's see, here we go. Some really good conversations took place last night and it's now time for all of our great Republican House members to vote for Kevin, close the deal, take the victory and watch crazy Nancy Pelosi fly back home to a very broken California, the only speaker in US history to have lost the House twice. Republicans do not turn a great triumph into a giant embarrassing defeat. It's time to celebrate, you deserve it. Kevin McCarthy will do a good job and maybe even a great job, just watch. You know, I have to say that I'm actually in agreement with Trump's general position there. The general position of like, guys, you have a chance now. You may, let's just say Kevin McCarthy's not perfect. Oh my God, a human being who's not perfect. But let's say he's kind of okay and Republicans are feeling pretty good because Fauci's out of the way and Pelosi's out of the way and maybe you can do a couple investigations, look into the laptop, Elon's got Twitter. Like there's momentum you could use here. Trump's point is, guys, you have a victory here, just run with it, as opposed to trying to bring in all these new guys. Now, I get why the new guys are frustrated. They've had it with Republican leadership. What do I always say? You don't have to be a Republican, but you can't be a Democrat, but the Republicans are most likely gonna fail you too. And I think that's what Republicans are, are struggling with right now. Do we, do we just freaking burn the whole thing down and start anew, or do we take a victory and see what we can do with it? Everyone can have their own opinion on that. Uh, here's Texas Congressman, uh, Chip Roy uh, laying out why he is one of the Republicans that is not into the McCarthy situation. Fact is, this place has to change. It has to change. And the change comes by either adopting rules and procedures that will make us actually do our job, or it comes from leadership. And people ask me, what do you want? I want the tools or I want the leadership to stop the swamp from running over the average American every single day. We can't keep doing this. 
I'm going to sit here until we figure out how to stop spending money we don't have. So Roy's position, basically, and I think a lot of people have this position, is that Kevin McCarthy will just give you more of the same, so we must do something else, right? So I think there's good arguments on both sides. I genuinely do. There's the, the Trump argument of, guys, you've got to win here. Take the win. See if you can get anything done. And then there's this other position of Chip Roy, uh, Lauren Boebert, Matt Gates, a couple other people, which is basically like, no, that will just ultimately lead us to that just ever so slightly slower descent to hell, right? So I, I get the arguments on both sides. Both sides, but now that McCarthy has lost six votes, uh, people are looking in other directions. Now, to, the idea that someone is going to get, you know, the 200, whatever it is, votes, 250, what do they need to win? It's around 218, something like that. The idea that someone else is going to get it is extremely messy. We shall see what happens. Uh, the other I ironic part of all of this is that if a couple Republicans defect and vote for this Hakeem Jeffries guy, then the Democrats are, are running it again. Like the whole thing is so wacky. Anyway, uh, Chip Roy, who we just showed you right there, he has now nominated someone else, someone else who I think is a pretty freaking good dude who I had on the show a couple weeks ago. Uh, Republican Congressman Byron Donalds. He is the uh, congressman from Southwest Florida. Southwest Florida is uh, Fort Myers, Naples. This is the area that was crushed by Hurricane Ian just a couple months ago. Uh, he now is on the list uh, of people that are going to be voted on. And here's Chip Roy calling for his nomination. Yesterday, my first vote for Speaker of the House was for Byron Donalds. Today, I'm rising to nominate Byron Donalds for Speaker of the House of Representatives. Well, all right, now who, who is Byron Donalds gonna vote for? Donalds. Donalds. Donalds, Donalds, Donalds. Okay, let's do it. Uh, if you don't know uh, much about Byron Donalds, he, he is a take no nonsense guy. He's doing a great job like most of our representatives here in Florida. Uh, and outside the Capitol yesterday, he was asked like, are you gonna pay a price? Cause McCarthy's gonna be pissed at you the way the machine operates. Like you, you're, a, you're an insurrectionist at the moment by going against the powers that be. And I thought uh, his response was pretty fantastic. Are you worried about retribution after the fact? There was threats that folks that weren't going to vote for McCarthy would be kicked off committees. Now you've put yourself in a, in a pretty public position opposing who, the person that could be the speaker. Are you worried about retribution? Man, I'm 6'2", 275. I'm not worried about that. He's a big dude. He is a big dude. So he's not worried about that. Uh, now, depending on uh, what contrast you're using on your uh, computer or your TV right now, you may or may not have noted that Byron Donalds happens to be black. Now, I don't really care about his skin color. I don't think most Americans care about his skin color. I certainly don't think that Chip Roy cares about his skin color. And I have no doubt that every leftist uh, in the country, every quote unquote journalist thinks that Chip Roy is a racist and here he is uh, nominating a black dude, but okay, let's not play identity politics like them. Uh, Corey Bush is a uh, representative from Missouri. She is a progressive, she's sort of a squad type. Uh, and what do you have when you have a progressive? Well, you just have a racist. Generally, you just have a good old fashioned racist. Uh, they just, you know, they doctor it up a little bit. So it seems like it's not racism, but it is. Here is Corey Bush's tweet about Byron Donald. For what it's worth, Byron Donalds is not a historic candidate for speaker. He is a prop. Despite being black, he supports a policy agenda intent on upholding and perpetuating white supremacy. His name being in the mix is not progress, it's pathetic.
Look, Cori Bush is a racist. She has no business being in politics. That is, that is just racism. She thinks that that guy has to think a certain way because of his skin color. She, she's an idiot. She thinks all the wrong things, but I don't think it's related to her skin color, right? She, a white woman could say that and it would be racist and a black woman could say it and it would be racist. Byron Donalds is instituting white supremacy. Could you get me the list of, are you on the computer there? Could you get me the list of white supremacy policies that Byron Donalds has instituted in Fort Myers since he has been congressman? Can we get all of that white supremacy, anything, anything out of zero, nothing out of Naples. They don't have separate water fountains for people in Naples, nothing. These people are ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Anyway, I had Byron on when we were in DC uh, right after the election, and we talked about optics in DC, and yes, being black. Let me ask you something else just about being here in DC and being somewhat new in Congress, and that technically you don't look exactly like what a generic congressman looks like. You, you're, you're black, is that? That's what that they right? told me. My guys told me right before you That's walked in. That's what they said. So we were trying to figure it out. I don't my know. mama said it when <laughs> I came out the room, so yeah. <laughs> um, how, how does it feel to be in this, you know, like when you're doing your thing in Florida and it's just kind of working, and then you come to a place like this where it's all about the jockeying and the media and everything else. Like, do, do you like being here when you're in D.C. doing your thing? Sometimes. Like, I, like just to be straight with you, man, this place is surreal. Yeah. Like, it's still surreal that I'm here, that I'm doing this. Yeah. Uh, I told my colleagues, you know, you know, after this conference chair thing, they were like, man, you know, it didn't work out. How do you feel? And I'm like, are you kidding me? If you look at my life, going up from Brooklyn, New York, all the struggles I've been through, to being in the room doing this, yeah. <laughs> man, I'm playing with house money, man. So that part is the right. static for me. Yeah. Um, now, just keeping it real, because this is what I do, the petty backstabbing stuff in, in D.C., man, I don't like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, I'm a man. If you feel a certain way, say it. Yeah. I will respect you if you do. I don't do all the back talk, backstabbing stuff. I don't like that stuff. Pretty solid, huh? Right? Like, pretty good. Isn't that what you want out of a politician? Here's what I believe. I'm not afraid of people. I'm going to say it to your face. I'm not going to do all that petty nonsense. Uh, so he is now nominated. We shall see what happens. My, my guess is that it's probably not going to happen this time around. But this guy has a freaking bright future, regardless. And I actually asked him about that future. What do you want to do after being congressman for a couple of terms? What's the <laughs> oh, plan, we man? Go. We're here in we D.C. We, we, we have a governor who might move on to some other things. Right. There's all sorts of interesting opportunities and also a Republican Party that's obviously in flux right now and, and needs some new voices. When so I what left, do you think about that? <laughs> when, I left the, when I left the state house, some of my colleagues said, um, would you ever come back? And I said, I'm only coming back one way. Ah. I'll leave it. You catch what he did right there? If he only comes back to the House, it's only going to be one way, and that would be governor. If perhaps our governor was to find another gig, maybe he would do that, which he would be probably pretty great at. Anyway, the whole purpose of the show today really was to obviously show you that contrast between where it's working, where it's not working. But all of that being said, you know, this an internal fight within a party, the media is going to love this, right? Because the idea that Republicans are fighting Republicans and they could lose control of the House and somehow you'll get a Democrat. I don't think that's going to happen. But like, like the media, the machine, all that stuff, it will love this fight. It, they will try to make everyone look incompetent and like backstabbers and, and it's the swamp and these are Congress people in D.C. There are plenty of incompetent backstabbers there. But generally, a little chaos 
uh, is good, right? Like a little chaos says to the machine, hey, people are kind of frustrated. You guys gotta be a little bit better. That's why even if you watch our videos from, from before Christmas when they were jamming through this $1.7 trillion deal, I was defending McCarthy because he kept saying, hey guys, how about we just don't vote on it now and then we'll be in charge in just a couple weeks. Now that didn't come to fruition, but it's like, that was the chance, right? Like get these guys, and this is Trump's argument too. It's like, hey, you've got to win here. You throw McCarthy in and let's just see what happens. That's better than losing control of the whole thing. But let these people fight it out and we shall see. And I don't know if you know this, but I live in Florida, so I'm going to be okay either way. Where do you live? Uh, guys, as you know, starting uh, as of this week, uh, we now do a post-game wrap-up on Locals. You can join us at rubenreport.locals.com. I think the link to the specific post is right down below. I'm going to take some questions and some comments, and uh, maybe we'll get personal. Who knows? We'll see what happens. Uh, we're going to give you a cold close right here, and then hang tight. We're going to play a little bumper, and we'll roll right into the post-game show uh, in about 30 seconds. I will see the rest of you tomorrow. I got an invitation to do Tucker Carlson's show tonight, and there's no way I'll go on a show for a number of reasons. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Rubin Report Direct Message. We're live on Rumble, Blaze TV, and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Don't forget to review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're looking for early and exclusive content, you can join me on Locals at rubinreport.locals.com.